Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Harini Shivakumar, founder and CEO of the brand Earth with them. Listeners, I am Nandini Kunde. I edit some of the episodes of the Founder Thesis podcast and I'm also the voice artist for the episode introductions. I wanted to put in a personal note for introducing this episode featuring Harini Sivakumar, the founder of Earthrhythm. This episode literally goes like the plot of a well-made Hollywood movie, which starts with a stay-at-home mom who accidentally became an entrepreneur and ended up building a 100-crore business. This episode was especially inspiring to me because I am also a mom and can totally relate with the challenges Harani faced while scaling up Earthrhythm. This episode is a must-listen. It's proof that not all founders need to have an IIT-IM background and all you need to scale up is grit and determination. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to get inspired by founders reshaping the future of business in India. I'd like to call myself an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, started my career as a banker. I um, I'm from Chennai, the southern part of India. Born, brought up Chennai. When I reached Delhi, I think uh, there were two things that I did right. Um, yes. One was obviously, like I said, because of the language barrier, I had no friends practically. So yeah. socializing and hanging out was um, it has been a little far fetched, at least in the initial you know few couple of yeah. months that I landed yes. in Delhi. So. Um, and winter has, you know, Delhi has these extreme weather climates, you know, um, as compared to, you know, um, Chennai, where we have three types of weather, hot, hotter and hottest. Yes. Um, Delhi has, you know, hotter sure. and hot coldest and all of that. So it was difficult yeah. for me to, you know, yeah. probably um, figure out a lot of things for my son because of his uh, special yeah. needs. He had a lot of issues. Um, he had eczema, which started getting, you know, aggravated uh, in the cold winters in Delhi. Yeah. And the, uh, the elder you know how and people, eczema. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And, um, you know, you know how we Indian moms are, right? Uh, we like to do grandma's secret. We like to do things at home. We lagao, malai lagao. We like to do everything, you know, from our kitchen. And I started, you know, um, using casting soaps back then on my son, which were pure olive oil soaps, like 100% olive oil soaps. And these okay. soaps were not available in India at that point of time. Uh, I would... Typically, you know, wait for someone who's coming from U.S. and I used to buy my one-year stock from them and keep it with me and use it every month once though for my son. And it used to be like, you know, there was a point in my life when my Facebook status was, you know, anyone traveling from U.S., please feed me. So it became like a regular norm for me. And after a point, I realized, why why am I even, you know, hanging around every single person to help me get it? And I, it was just at a random thought I decided. I just typed on Google how to make Castel soaps, right? Huh. Um, and I landed. How in do you spell the ca- Castel? C A S T E N. C A S T I N. Castel. Castel. Okay. Castel soaps. Yes. This is like a like yes. a genre of soaps. Yes, it's like a pure olive oil soap. It doesn't lather much or anything. It's it has a high oil content, which means that you know um, anyone who has extreme dry skin or eczema, it's it's it washes off at the same time, very moisturizing, right? Um, so um, you don't get these, you know, these Senna Castan soaps in India. Even today, it's it's quite difficult to find unless and until you go to a speciality store or a, you know, or a, or an uptown market where you will find these kind of products. Um, so you know, I I landed up into a YouTube video which uh, which which was actually teaching you how to make Castan soaps at home. 
and I saw that video and it was like, oh my God, it's so simple. It's better. It's easier than making Rajna Chawal. I didn't know, okay, why not I just, you know, uh, attempt making uh, capsule soap at home? And uh, I, I figured out what are the ingredients needed. And I was trying to, you know, go on Google and hunt, where can I get this ingredient? Where can I source it from? And I got a couple of ingredients. And I decided to make my first batch, which was uh, the biggest disaster. <laughs> I had no clue what was happening. It turned out like the uh, the failed Mysore Park that you tried for the first time, which was very hard. And it was like, you know, a pasar, like, you know, somebody could you know, be hurt with it. So, and then after a couple of more times of trying to make the castle soap, uh, I managed to make something which looked like a soap. And uh, my trial and error into, you know, making these soaps. Um, and obviously the guinea pigs are me and my son. Uh, we were using these soaps to figure out whether it's actually matching the one that I use from the US or not. Um, and that's how my journey into, you know, um, getting into doing something on my own started. And like, another, I think, uh, stark reason for me to, you know, start um, figuring out to, you know, probably keep myself busy was also um, my mom passed away in 2015. And uh, that was a huge turning point because... Um, you know, generally girls are very close to their, their parents and specifically mom, right? Um, for me, especially because I had a child with a uh, disability, she was a huge support system for me in my uh, journey. And when she actually passed away, it was like a big hollow in the life where um, I wasn't able to relate to the fact that um, how do I even move on right now? And to keep myself busy, to, you know, probably keep your mind, to divert yourself, you need to get into something, like do something to, you know, keep yourself busy. And that's how, I mean, these are a couple of reasons, you know, which pushed me to, you know, start exploring, to do something on my own. And that's how the journey of, you know, soap making started. And, you know, um, the interest was so intense that once I started making capstone soaps, um, I think I made batch number one, batch number two, batch number three. And I think about two, three months time, and started experimenting different types of soap, like say shea butter soap, cocoa butter soap, many different types of soaps that I started making. And these are all traditionally cold process soaps, which does not require any fire or machinery or anything required. Um, but you can simply make it like, you know, um, even if you, if you you know, a lot of, you know, Purana Zabana, if you go and see, um, a lot of people, you know, uh, used to make their own washing soaps at home, right? Um, it was very simple. This process was very similar. So it was, you know, soapification using, you know, sodium hydroxide and, you know, uh, and a bunch of, you know, oils, a combination of oils and boom, there's a soap that cleans. Okay. Um, and, and I started making what a couple is, of... What uh, is sodium hydroxide? Like, is, is it a liquid or is it a gas? It, it comes in flakes. Uh, basically, it's, it's, it's a chemical compound. It comes in flakes. Um, when you when you put water on it, it turns really hot, like you know, acid. Like it becomes, it can actually burn your skin. That hot it becomes. Um, you mix oil with it at a certain proportion, and when oil and this particular sodium hydroxide solution come together, there is a process that happens called soapification. And when you let it sit overnight in a in a pan or in a bowl, it turns into a hard bar of soap. So that's how a soap is created, right? Um, so a washing soap will have more sodium hydroxide and less oils, but a bathing soap will have more oils and less sodium hydroxide. The idea is to keep it more moisturizing and more cleansing and all of those abilities. Um, so within like three, four months, I, you know, gathered, I, I started making a lot of soaps and, you know, my, my room was filled with at least hundred soaps, hundred soaps. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with these? I mean, hundred soaps? At least if it was something eatable, I would just, you know, I finish it somehow. But soap is something that you can't even finish it the minute you want. And I'm starting discounting these to friends and family, right? Like, 
it was also in, you know an attempt to make friends in the new place that I was in Delhi. So I used to carry these soaps to my son's school when I used to pick him up. I used to give it to you know his the his classmates' parents, saying that hey, I made these. Why don't they try and give me feedback? And I started sharing it. This was around the time, and you know, a couple of uh, months later, you know, of doing this again and again and again, um, a lot of these people who you know actually started using my products used to come back to me saying, "Harini, uh, do you have more of those Shia butter soaps? I want, I want to buy them. The same please take money. I'm willing to pay you. Uh, can I get any of them? I want to gift it to my sister. I want to gift it to my brother. I want this. I want that." And that became a regular routine for me, where people started asking me for something that I actually distributed free of cost. And I started enjoying it because I actually had an opportunity to make what I like. Um, and that's how, you know, my journey, my baby steps into, you know, and, you know, starting something on my own came into existence. Um, this was around the time of 2015, right? Um, 2016 came. Uh, I think this phase was more of a learning phase for me. Like I said, I come from a commerce background, right? Uh, I studied to be a banker. So I decided to, you know, spend some money and do a do some couple of courses to understand how skincare formulation works. Um, uh, because there's a lot of chemistry involved uh, while, while manufacturing skincare. Um, and with economics, commerce, uh, uh, you know, credit, debit, I think on the okay, right, okay, okay. Uh, understanding <laughs> how soapification works and how stability works are all, you know, different, uh, com- completely evolved, different volume altogether. So I wanted to go through that phase. So 2016, I think I almost the entire year while I was, all, you know, doing all of these home-based stuff and, you know, um, you know, so, you know, making a little bit of money here and there. But the whole whole of 2016, I spent that time studying, trying to understand, um, unlearn my, you know, the economics commerce that was there in the brain, relearn organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, understand how formulation works. Um, that was also more, you know, towards the fact that, you know, people were actually buying my product, they were paying me buying. And I had some kind of, um, I had to have some kind of responsibility in terms of being confident of what I'm giving them to use on their skin. It's more of a responsibility that I need to take for the product that I create, right? I'm no expert. I was just a kitchen expert trying to make something and, you know, it just happened on its own. So, um, that, you know, so 2016 was more of a phase of a study phase. 2017. Yeah. Did you like join uh, online course or something? or like Yeah, this? I mean, I did a couple of courses. One I did with Formula Botanica, which is a UK-based uh uh, I know an organization that helps uh, people, you know, hobby people to learn skills more formally. Something like, you know, Udeme, which is there in, in India right now. Um, and then I also did another course with Institute of Personal Care Sciences, which 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 was a much more detailed program where uh, you, you get uh, a postgraduate diploma in cosmetic science, which enables you to uh, call your son for cosmetic chemist upon completion of the course. Um, and I did that course. And then once that was done, I think 2017, um, I decided to, you know, create my own small little, cat, you know, catalog of products. I had soaps, I had lip balms, I had, uh, you know, lotions, you know, some interesting products like say creams and stuff like that. Hmm. And I created seven, ten products and I started this selling it. This was all being uh, made in your apartment only? Yes. I had converted one room in my apartment as my studio. And uh, I started, I used to be the maker, packer, dishwasher, boy, this I've gone through that phase when a customer used to call me and shout yeah. at me saying that it's been since I ordered and I have not received my order. And I would say, yeah. I let the manager know and I let the yeah. team know. Right? And gone through that phase of, you know, uh, we, everything me and then acting as if, you know, there are multiple people around me, you know, trying to assist me. Um, so 
So 2017, I decided to, you know, leverage on social media channels. Um, I think uh, for, you know, small brands, Wait, did you B2C brands. Branding it as Earth Rhythm? Uh, no, no. Okay. Back then, it was called Soapworks India. Okay. Why Soapworks? Don't even ask me because I just made soaps back then. <laughs> and I named it Soapworks India. Yeah, yeah, yeah that um, makes sense. And <laughs> so, um, I and think you, you had of, like a printed so, packaging on it, which said soap works and all. Like, like, how did you package it? So, like I said, uh, my initial investment when I started soap works was five thousand rupees. Um, and this five thousand rupees, I actually, you know, used my husband's credit card, uh, stole back five thousand rupees, but not swiped it without his knowledge, and make money. And then repay it by the end of the month to the card account so that he never gets to know the I use $5,000 card. So my, you know, my, my initial investment was exactly $5,000 if I have to be blatantly honest with you. Um, and at the initial days, like you asked me, these labeling all of that, right? Everything in-house. I bought a printer and I bought label sheets. There was this website called onlinelabels.com in US and I used to buy labels wherever my friends were traveling. I used to get labels in bulk from them. And they used to have templates on their website for the labels that they sent. So I used to design my own labels and I used to print my own labels and everything was in-house, nothing. And then there is a reason to it also, right? Um, the reason is that in India, uh, if you have to start, you know, looking at outsourcing, hobby is not very huge in India, like, you know, the Western countries, but hobby is like a huge thing, gardening, um, you know, fishing, and all these things are like very huge. Whereas in India, hobby is still very underrated even today. Uh, you do, do have, you know, specialty hobby stores here, but it's not really something which everybody has the time and luxury to, you know, spend their time on. So I decided to buy these labels, you know, design it myself. And if I have to go out and get it done, um, there are MOQs involved. I need to print 5,000 labels. Mm, MOQ means minimum and order quantity. Minimum order quantity, right? Huh. Uh, and each each vendor will tell me that, madam, at least 1,000 labels print print. Come se come hazar karado. While I was selling only five, five, five or three soaps a day, why will I write hazar late? Right? Um, so it did make sense to me. So, uh, and I didn't want to block any of my money in any of the inventory because I had no goal at that point of time whether I was actually building a business or not. I was just nurturing my hobby, I would say, or my passion project. Um, and then, you know, I started doing everything, even photography. I still remember I, I bought these, you know, uh, uh, these white background, you know, these textured, uh, you know, photography sheets that you get. And then I used to place my product on the top and I used to click with my uh, SLR and then upload it. And I've done everything, right? Right from, like I said, it, it literally I was, you know, I've done everything in the company, right? From customer service to digital marketing to brand marketing to, um, you know, right from, you know, delivery boy, I've done it. And I still remember there was this time where one lady, she had ordered a soap and uh, she was in Noida uh, and I live in Gurgaon. And uh, I drove down and she, she was very angry with me because she had, so she had ordered soaps to gift it to someone. And I had delayed it because, you know, this, these cold process soaps actually have a process called curing, which is like it needs to stay on the shelf for three weeks to get the maximum benefit out of the soap. And she wanted it so urgently and I had to break that curing period and run to her and give it. And I, the, the cost of the soaps were around 500, 600. Uh, and I drove like some 50, 60 kilometers and up and down. It was a hundred kilometers. Yeah. And I delivered that soap for that 500 bucks. Yeah. And she she opened the door and she was like, can you please tell your company that this is the easiest yeah. service that I've had? I was standing there. Like, can you please tell your, your owner's number? I said, I am the owner. Uh, <laughs> so she was like, oh my God, you're the owner. I'm like, yeah, I'm the owner. I'm so sorry about this. So, 
you know, the space of, you know, how, you know, small businesses, homegrown entrepreneurs actually go through everything first time, first time experience of, you know, getting the feel of, you know, um, standing in front of the customer, getting screamed at, getting appreciated, getting feedback. Everything happens first time, right? Um, and this was around 2017, right? I was, you know, uh, for most D2C brands, I think uh, the digital channels or the social media channels are the first way how they will get the experience of selling or make, you know, building a brand. That's simply because the entry barriers are very low, right? There's no cost requirement. Um, there's no investment at all, practically. And I, I, I used to sell on, you know, Facebook pages, um, Instagram, uh, Google. I mean, I think I, I leveraged on all these channels, right? That I could actually sell my product and people used to place orders on WhatsApp. And then uh, after how did you say like, 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 did you have an e-commerce site or something? Or? No, you create groups. So when, okay. when people, uh, right. yeah. So and at that point of time, Google groups, you know, these groups yeah, are yeah, very, yeah. very popular. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, create. Today that is replaced by WhatsApp groups. But yeah. I, I exactly. Right. <laughs> Yahoo groups, Google yes. groups. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I started so you, utilizing all these channels to sell the products. Um, and then over a point of time, even that started getting a little difficult and fluttered because, you know, in WhatsApp, you know, what happens is you lose track of, you know, the conversation and suddenly somebody is adding, deleting. Yeah. yeah, it's not a CRM. You just can't really manage everything after a point. And that's when I was like, you know, um, I need, I need a website now. And obviously, like I said, low cost investment, I didn't have money. So I just decided to go to GoDaddy and buy a domain and, I built the entire website myself. Like it was a WordPress store. You won't believe you, you, you understand WordPress requires some amount of technicality, right? Um, I still remember going to Google, YouTube and figuring out how to write a code, how to write a code to actually get this text in this place, right? Um, I saw literally, you know, the fan, the, the journey of building my own website and my website has crashed like some four or five times and those nights. When the website crash and that PHP language is something above my head, uh, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to do. My website is not working. <laughs> you know, been through all that phase in 2017 and 2018. And your website was uh, soapworks.com or something like that. Yes, it was called soapworks.com. Correct, mm-hmm. soapworksindia.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in 2018 scale, um, uh, during this time, I actually started building my network very much. Mm-hmm. You know, when established, I would say, like people knew. So, Pali, RP is Harini. So, what sales were you doing like, by 2018? Like monthly sales? Uh, not much, probably. I would generate about a lakh or a two only uh, yes. per month, right? Which is that not was the same for a, like, like for doing something. For a homegrown entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, uh, I, I started, you know, stepping out a little bit of my house. Like, you know, um, I started, uh, you know, these during this Diwali, Christmas, New Year, you have these main hours. Yeah. Everywhere in these societies in Gurgaon. Yeah. Um, I used to put up a stall there. I used to pay right. money and put up a stall. And I used to take stock worth one lakh. And my target used to be to send out the one lakh stock and come back. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. this is how I started, you know, uh, building my network. And that's why in every society, they know so poorly aunties. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, so yeah. I started selling and I started, you know, making, I started seeing the process of how a business is starting to, you know, build right in front of my eyes. And this was the time, I think, end of 2018, my dad was casually visiting me in Gurgaon. And uh, my dad uh, was actually going, he was on his way to Kailash Mansarovar. And uh, on his way back, actually, he vaulted in Gurgaon, not while going. On the way back, he vaulted in Gurgaon. And he was staying with me for a couple of months. He wanted to stay for two, three months and then head back to Chennai. So while he was staying, you know, one fine day, he was like, Harini, 
um, you're stuck inside this room, morning to evening. You have two kids who are screening for your attention outside. And I have no clue what you're doing inside this room. Is it even worth it? You're not spending your day, night, everything inside this room. You're sitting on the floor. You don't even have a table and chair. You're sitting on the floor and evening. You're telling me my back is aching, my leg is aching. And what are you even doing here? I was, I just told him, don't ask me any questions. I have too many things to do. If at all you want to do something, just help me. He's like, what can I do to help you? I gave him my laptop and I told him, become my customer service executive. There are so many emails in this email ID because I used to have a customer service mail called sofa gmail.com. I told him there are so many emails over here. Start responding. If you have doubts, ask me. Technically, my first employee was my dad. <laughs> was a customer service executive. Uh, so he started responding to all the uh, mails saying that, you know, um, we have just like the email. But he used to, you know, reply to them, call and speak to them and ask them and all of that. So he was being busy, right? He, he's also retired and he was also feeling very happy to, you know, keep helping me in doing something. After two, three months, my dad was like, you know, Harini, you know what? You're actually taking customers' money and you're keeping it with you for two months. And then you're sending the product to the customer. I think this is really bad because one, you can't keep customers' money with you like that without, you know, knowing when you're going to dispatch the product. Um, and second thing, your entire business of, you know, taking money into your personal account, although I come from a commerce background, my my economics are so weak that, you know, I will actually take more money into my savings account. And I didn't even know that was not even allowed. <laughs> right? So he was like, Harini, what are you even doing? I mean, if you're really serious about this, let's, you know, let's make a company. That meant a sole proprietor company where you create an account and you get all the money into your only your company account. It should not go to your personal account. And he built some structure around what I was doing, right? Um, he, he created a small sole proprietor company called Soapworks India. Uh, and then he opened an account for me. We got a small, we got a GST number for that. And he started doing, you know, a little bit of business uh, setting up over there. And then two, three months down the line, while he was leaving, he was like, Harini, you know what? I have a brilliant idea. When I spoke to all your customers, right? When I called them and without your knowledge, I told your customer, I'm sorry for keeping the money for so long. Please cancel the order. When the product is ready, we will call you back and you can, you can place the order again and buy it. And surprisingly, most of your customers refuse to take back money. And they said, we know that Harini takes two months. It's okay that the money be there. Let us send it afterwards is what they told me. Which means you've built credibility, you've built trust and they like your product. And this is something we should build on is what he, you know, he, he thought. And while we were discussing this, he was like, Harini, uh, why don't we get out and, you know, probably do something bigger. I and mean, I'm also free right now. Let's start something on our own. If we win... We win. And if we lose, we have nothing to worry about, right? We're not dependent on this money to actually, you know, sustain our lives or anything. Why are we bothered? Let's give it a shot. My first concern was, how do I get out of the house? Because um, I have a son who is non-verbal. My son, my older one cannot speak. So um, he's always been in the protected environment around me, sitting with me while I make soaps. He used to sit with me and cut the soaps and all of that. So I've had him right next to me while I was working also. And now suddenly thinking of getting out of my comfort zone, which is my house, and moving into a space where I had to actually leave my kids back home. And now getting into that job kind of a feeling where you want to be out of the house for a couple of hours was very, very difficult for me. I've gone through that high up pace of, you know, people calling me suddenly and saying, Harini, why are you standing in the balcony? Is anybody there at home? And I used to run. Like literally like, like a mad person and just to ensure that he's not standing in the balcony, right? 
So typical, you know, housewife scenarios of, you know, housewife transitioning into, you know, uh, a work professional who's trying to, you know, come out of the house and, you know, figuring out how to make everything work, both house and, you know, work. Um, so 2019, this was the time, you know, end of 2018 and 19. So 2019, we, we took up a small space outside house. So the first thing that I told we, me and my dad decided was we should not be far away from home because this is the first time we're stepping out. Let's save the building right next to our apartment. So we took the literal next up, you know, there was a small, uh, uh, um, how do I say, marketplace right okay. next to my apartment. Uh, uh, and there are like, you know, a lot of like shopping complex. Exactly, like a mm. shopping complex. So um, I took a small 800 square feet, you know, uh, office space there. And we in that 800 square feet, 400 square feet, I had allocated for manufacturing and another 400 square feet for, you know, keeping the laptop and everything and working and all of that. Um, so both of us together, we started and, uh, and so after like, you know, when we set up everything, I still remember the day when I, you know, the rent was about uh, 18,000 or 19,000. I went and I, you know, uh, told my dad, daddy, I, I, I doubt, I doubt if I'll be able to pay this rent of 18,000 month on month. My dad was like, if you ask me today, no, you can't afford it. But if you ask me, can you in future, I think you have great potential, you'll be able to do it. I mean, like I told you, let's give it a shot, right? It's okay. So. With that confidence, I was like, Chalo, let's, let's jump into this. So started that place. And when we started that place, I think the first thing that we both realized was we both can't be doing everything. We need one more person to help us, right? Um, and that's when, you know, uh, obviously, you know, everything, even, even the rent was something which we were actually trying to figure out how we're going to pay. And obviously, salary was the last thing that we wanted to, uh, you know, incur in terms of how are we going to pay someone, right? Um, so the well, I had a brilliant idea. So I went to the um, security guard, the, the, you know, where, where, on in the, in the condo where I live in. And I told the security guard that, So he was like, I said, So the next day, my calling bell started ringing and they were girls coming one after the other saying, Didi, kya kaam hai? Jaadu, pucha, barpen, apko, kya kaam hai? Kya kaam hai? Kya kaam hai? Out of all these girls, Akshay, I spotted one girl. One girl, she was just 22, around 21, 22. She was wearing a sari. You know, she was from this village called Sundar Buns. She had covered her head with a sari. You know how these, uh, she, she's like raw clay, fresh from Sundar Buns. Uh, she just landed and she was looking for odds and ends job, like, you know, maid's job uh, in the condo where I was living in. And she was like, Didi. And I looked at her. I asked her, are you educated? What did you She said, I graduate on Didi. I was shocked. She, she was a graduate and she was looking for Jado Pucha. Then I asked her, Tumko English padne ko aata hai? My, my Hindi is also bad. You see how I speak. She was like, uh, Haan, really, I can um, English padne ko aata hai? She was like, I said, you're sorry. I gave her a salary of 5,000 rupees, which otherwise she would have earned some maid as well in the condo where I lived in. So I told her, I'll give you the same 5,000. So you come, you come to the building next and from tomorrow, so when she came the next day, the first test for her was, I gave her a bunch of invoices that, that my website generates, right? So I gave her and I told her, I'll give you one hour's time, just go through these invoices. Then you tell me what you understood from it. And after one hour, she came and she, she told me that the koi bill jaise nagra hai, koi sabun order kiya hai, koi cream order kiya hai. Um, so she had an idea as to what was happening around her, right? I was happy that she's getting, she's, she's understanding what's, what's happening around. So then 
um you know i started training her into manufacturing into 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 operations packing dispatch lot you know how we actually plan the flow from the website what order is coming how do you pick pack and keep it ready for dispatch and all of that within one two month you won't believe akshay she came back to my dad and said uncle hum na ek process leke aana hai uncle um ye cod orders na sirf friday ko karte hain monday to thursday hum sirf prepaid orders karte matlab she started understanding how do we build process to simplify our work and become more efficient right see business is one side but actually seeing someone someone evolve right mm. in front of you is another thing right yeah, um and that gives you more happiness when you see people evolve right in front of you and momita was one such girl for us right today momita is still a part of our team and she on the in the factory where we have built she handles a team of 25 girls she came at a salary of 5000 rupees today she earns 10 lakh of what she was getting and had she been a maid had she not taken up this opportunity that day that knocked at her door she would have still been in the same place doing the same job and getting the same 5000 next fights right so i think i think this was um i think it, I, i i don't know what to call it like you know we met at the right time both of us and uh, today if you see mobita she you know the way she has evolved even as a person a personality the jeans the t-shirt yeah, and i sure. always i yeah. still have a picture of her for sari class and i see you know so you know her transition has been really you know i could see in front of my eyes mm. and mm. that's how she was the first employee and um, after her uh, i recruited a lot more girls from my condo right. in fact i'm the hitler in my condo because every single woman in my condo thinks that i poached them <laughs> and so i used to really you know um, so every security guard knew sure. that agar ye ladki padhi likhi hai to ye madam ke paas kaam mil jayega so no all the girls who were slightly twelve pass or they were you know graduate they would come to me and they said deep mujhe ghar ka kaam nahi karna hai ke baad koi kaam hoga so i used to give them job i used to tell them chalo packing kar lo so to ye kar lo label kar lo label laga do ye karo wo karo so i used to teach them so we became a team of around eight ten girls plus me and my dad working in that place and that you know and that's how that's when when we stepped out and we started a company we transitioned from softworks india to earthrhythm and the reason why he did this was so while we came out and we you know created a company called earthrhythm we were very clear we wanted to i wanted to own the manufacturing that because like i this entire business um, was a passion driven business it was a passion project that got converted into business and my core forte and my interest lies in, in the product in the in the formulation into how you create this product that gave me joy not selling the product and seeing those figures growing doubly like while that became an agenda over a period of time when we built the business but the initial days was only about for me creating the product and seeing you know suddenly three four ingredients going together and boom there was a cream there was a lotion there was a soap and everything coming out of my kitchen so i think I wanted to own the manufacturing, so we applied for a manufacturing license, and we had a small store. When were you like eight ten? Uh, you said you had eight ten girls working with you. When was this? This was around uh, around mid twenty nineteen, uh, okay. around June July. And, and what was your uh, monthly sales then? By the time you had this team of ten, around we were doing around uh, five to ten max a month, approximately. Amazing. A month. So you you, right? you like multiplied it by five x in a year's time. 
Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And then the story is very interesting after that, I'll tell you. Yeah. So, um, and then what happened, we thought that, okay, the space is getting a little cramped. Uh, mm. we let's say, until that time, I was and functioning this, under uh, the uh, sales business. growth happened organically or did you like spend on oh, Google Ads? No, or? Zero. Oh, zero. Wow. Literally zero. Okay. Because Pure word of mouth. We had no money. Pure word of mouth, you know, I'm sending it. I used to keep publishing on, you know, Instagram. I mean, early on, we started using Instagram, Facebook, all of these things. Keep on posting everywhere. That's the only way we were promoting. Spent zero money in actually bringing revenues to, you know, people or people to website. Um, and then we decided let's apply for manufacturing license and we need to move to a little bigger space. Um, until that time, I was functioning with the MSME uh, registration, right? So for small uh, homegrown ventures, you can register under the MSME and still, you know, clear, you know, if you are say, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're probably stitching something and sending or probably you're making your a baker, you still can have an MSME and you can function. So technically I was under MSME for until that time and MSME has a threshold. I think when you turn over turns, yeah, I think uh, some three lakhs or 30 lakhs, I don't remember exactly. There's a threshold for it. And once you reach that threshold, you need to come out of MSME. You can still, you can't claim the benefits of MSME. So um, we applied for manufacturing license and we moved slightly a little far away from that place. We took one step at a time. We thought, let's go a little more far away and take one more space. Now from this 800, we went to like uh, 1,500 square feet. We took double the space because that's the minimum requirement for getting the manufacturing license. So we took 1,500 square feet space and we, you know, uh, you know, clearly, you know, had a plan in terms of how we will manufacture where it's sent. And this was around the early 2020 time. And that's when, you know, I was launching the brand into the market, right? And my dad was furious with me and he was like, Harini, why are you going on bringing products? Tell me one thing. You made a soap. Why can't you sell the soap alone? Why are you, why are you creating lip balm? Why are you creating cream? I said, one, I know how to make them. So I want to keep them in my catalog as simple as that. Number two, people who come to buy a soap and want a shampoo. People who come to buy a cream will want heroin. So you, you never know, you know, it's, it's cross-sending. So you need to have more products on your table for people to actually at least spend time there looking at it, right? So, um, and hence what happened was um, I had a fixed set of products and while I was, you know, uh, figuring out Earth Rhythm name and building the brand and all of that. Yeah, tell me about the name. By this time, the, the, what, what was behind yeah, the name? And, yes, I'm coming to that. So while, you know, setting up this, you know, this brand, brand name and all of that, um, the Earthism idea came simply because I think over the number of years from 2015 to 19, you know, when I survived as this homegrown entrepreneur, there were some clear reasons why uh, these people, these customers would come and buy product from Soapworks, right? There were, there were very, very clear reasons. One was personalization. Consumers really liked the fact that they could actually talk to someone and they had something specially curated. When they speak to me and they say, Harini, I have this issue. And when I tell them, Acha, do you have this problem? Do you have that problem? Do you want this? Do you want that? That really helped them connect with the product and with the brand. And that really helped them. Um, so personalization was one. Number two, you know, um, today's millennials, uh, even the Gen Z, they're very, very, uh, you know, uh, conscious about their carbon footprint, right? Um, we no longer want to litter, litter the space where we're living in. We want to reduce. We want to recycle. We're moving into that zone. And... A lot of people in Delhi and CR would come you know, looking for me because they would come with their reused bottles or they would come with jars and they would say, can you fill it and give it to me? I don't want to buy one more. I don't want to you know, generate waste. So I saw sustainability and they would, and the constant feedback to me was, Harini, your products are amazing. 
but why would you use a plastic bottle for this? So these kind of feedback started coming to me and I started figuring out, okay, sustainability is something where consumers are really wanting to stay away from large brands because uh, they felt that they, they were not heard by huge MNCs because who actually calls the customer service behind your uh, your shampoo bottle and takes the pain of you know calling up and giving a feedback because they know that it's not even going to go up the management, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so with smaller brands, they had that feeling that, you know, she is going to hear me. She is the person and she's going to hear me. And that feeling actually made them come back to me and give me feedback and, you know, figure out. And if, if I was if I was willing to make the change, they are willing to stay with me. That was another reason. Uh, and the third one was consumers were wanting products that were accepted. People are tired. So um, if they did not, if they wanted a regular product, the market had, you know, there be regular mass market products, right? Like say your Nivea creams are there, your Lux soaps are there. Why would they come to some, you know, something like Soapworks in there? What, what are they looking for? They're obviously not looking for anything which is available already in the market. So they want something which they're coming with a hope that this is going to work for me. The market ones are not working. So these are the three things that I clearly, you know, laid down in my head. These are the reasons why consumers are actually coming to Soapworks. So with these three things in mind, I built, you know, I, I came up with the same earth with them. The idea was to build, uh, you know, the, the brand around sustainability. We are a hundred, you know, I would say we're heavily focused on sustainability. I, I, I can't call myself hundred percent sustainable. That would be a big fat lie. You never can claim hundred percent. Um, but we're largely sustainable in terms of, you know, how our supply chain is, how we've actually managed to keep EcoCert on board, uh, to manage our waste and all of that. So, um, a lot of these things we've built over a period of time. But initially when I started, I was clear that the brand has to, you know, resonate sustainability to consumers. Um, the second one being uh, inclusivity. Now, inclusivity, the reason why I included it was, I think I, being a mom to a child with disability, I felt that in India, even today, inclusivity is not something which is common. You, you, people really do differentiate you, right? Um, I still remember being judged for having people like Fomita working with me. I had some customers who actually doubted the, abil the, the ability or the efficacy of my product because Fomita made it, right? And so these are things that I have come out, you know, I, I've seen this throughout my journey. And I sense that, you know, inclusivity has to be a part of it. While this is not going to bring revenues to the brand or anything of that sort, but I find this is a very strong message which people can actually uh, relate to through the brand story, right? So inclusivity was one. Uh, the third one was clinical attentiveness. Now this uh, came into the picture because, like I said, people are looking for problem-solving products. Um, and while looking for problem-solving, for us, the biggest advantage was today, if you've seen the, all the B2C brands, especially in the B2C category, which are existing, only a handful of them actually own manufacturing, right? You will probably count them in your fingers. There are very, very few brands that can own manufacturing. And when you own manufacturing, you have the ability to actually go into in-depth in R&B. And you can actually do clinical trials. You can do in vivo analysis, in vitro analysis. You can do a lot more with your product. And give consumers that comfort whether this product is going to be effective, whether this product is going to work for you or not, even before investing your money into that product. Right. So that was the third pillar that, that you know, we wanted to build around Earthism. So with these three, um, I wanted to bring Earthism into the picture. I had a huge fight with my dad because my dad is a, you know, a Purana Zamana person and he was sentimental about this name Soapworks. 
हंसी यहाँ तक आए अगर ये ना हमको लकी नहीं है तो क्या करेंगे I don't know about luck and all because yeah. uh, I think soap works. If I sell a cream, a body lotion, in yeah. the name of soap works, people come and ask me, "Is this a soap or a lotion?" <laughs> right? There's a there's a misconception. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to break that, and hence I, if the earlier is better to change the name rather than yeah. doing it much later in your in your True. mind, right? So um, hence I changed the name to Earth Rhythm and we rebranded it. And the first products that came from Earth Rhythm was shampoo bars. Mm. Now, then we came with shampoo bars. Now, when the shampoo bar is over, you're not dumping anything in the dustbin in terms of plastic waste, right? Now, our pieces to consumers was that we told consumers a simple logic that we're not asking you too much. We're asking you to just try and replace one product in your entire lifestyle, which is a shampoo bottle to a bar form. Now, Imagine if you, as one consumer, if you can stop yourself from dumping twelve shampoo bottles a year into the dustbin, just shampoo bottles alone, and if I can manage to convince five percent of India's population, three percent of India's population, to move from shampoo bottles to bar format, imagine the amount of uh, reduction in the landfills we will have by just replacing one product in your routine, which is a shampoo bottle. Right? Because it is an essential product. Now, it got little, you know, got a lot of people inquisitive, and they were willing to try shampoo bar first. Agar mujhe pasand aaya, agar mujhe mere doubt jaise baal bika, then I will continue using this. So my efforts was to make it exactly look and feel like you know, it has to be like head and shoulder, it has to be like preserve, it has to be like down, it has to give that feel to consumers, right? Um, that was my only agenda, and I was pushing consumers to try the product and. And you know, people loved it. And I say, uh, how were you talking to consumers? Were you like uploading videos on Instagram, or was it during those uh, mela events and such things? No lives, Instagram lives. So okay. I used to go live. Okay. So actually, a lot of customers, Akshay, uh, at Earth Rhythm, they have seen Harini from Soapworks India days. Yeah. Where I used to be the face of the brand, right? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I used to, you know, go on live, tell people, mm. all these mm. things I have done myself. So even today, we receive mails from customer support saying that, can I speak to Harini before I place my order? Mm. Because people have yeah. gotten used to these, uh, you know, these routine of speaking mm. to Harini before I place yeah. my order. And then to get one order, I'll speak for 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Today, it's really Sorry. tough for me to speak for 40 minutes yeah. for one order, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's been a journey that way, you know, in terms of how consumers have actually traveled with me. And uh, and I think, you know, it, it happened organically, to be very honest with you. And once shampoo bar became a hit, when, once people started liking shampoo bars, I brought a lot more products under the same line. So now I call this line the zero waste skincare. Uh, zero waste skincare is bringing products that can actually generate zero waste to the environment. And even the shampoo bar ingredients were biodegradable, which means the gray water that goes into the soil can break down, which means the septic use, the emulsifiers use, the preservative use, everything is all biodegradable. So, uh, so the next set of products that we brought was cleansing balms, which can replace your face wash, and bath bombs, and few other soap bars, and many other things which are all around the concept of uh, zero-waste skincare. And we started doing well. Now, during this time, I think, uh, you know, uh, I had I had moved on to, you know, I think 2020 June uh, from my WordPress after the several crashes that I had with WordPress again and again and again. Uh, finally, I somebody told me, Harini, you should try Word Shopify because Shopify is not a crashing. Hota hai. 
इजी होगा तुम्हारे लिए तो बाई डोंट प्राइस नॉट प्राइस सो आई सैट डे एंड नाइट अगेन एंड बिल्ड माय ओन शॉपिंग स्टोर सो आई आई सो दीज आर द वेज दैट एक्चुअली कट कॉस्ट राइट आई डिड नॉट गो टू एन एजेंसी 2020 Management was still just you and your dad. Everyone else was yes. like shop floors. Yes, okay. yes, yes, and, yes. And what about like packaging and stuff like that? Like you were doing like through printing out those labels uh, at home. Once you moved it to that so, bigger space, there also mostly it was all I was only printing. I was designing and I was printing myself. Uh, but then I found a vendor who was actually slightly expensive but could make professional labels, say hundred, two hundred, five hundred quantity. Really expensive, but that was the stage where I was transitioning. I was, you know, trying to figure out vendors. Okay, but total, you know, I used to get small. If 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 one product is actually selling very well, then I used to take the risk of, you know, printing thousand labels and keeping with me. So on that, you know, it was an experimenting stage at that point of time. But once we, I went to Shopify. I still remember. I think I launched it on uh, July sixteenth or July twentieth, around second week of July. I launched the Shopify. What was your monthly sales date in middle of twenty twenty? I'm coming to that. I'm coming okay. to that. So yeah. very interesting, right? So one change that I did, one change from moving from WordPress to Shopify in July, um, I was doing about ten to one lakhs in June. We closed the month. I sent one lakhs July with zero spends. We did thirty five lakhs. Just one one big upgrade, which was moving from WordPress to Shopify. That's it. Because consumers had that seamless experience. You know the you know Shopify is much more user friendly. You know, I mean that's when I was able to believe that what customer experience means in in a tech world, right? You know, consumers really want to see beautiful pictures. They want all information easily available. The entire journey, the process flow, should be seamless, and that made a difference. And I think that was the first success that we had. And both of us, me and my dad, were shocked. That was a you know, and, and in pandemic hit in twenty twenty, right? And I think during that time also, you know, um, I think that was the best phase. That that's when the business was actually growing. But you were able well. to keep and running, like you didn't have to shut down. No, no. So I had a brilliant plan for that. So the minute pandemic hit in March when the lockdown was announced, um, I um, I went to the uh, state FB office and I applied for uh, manufacturing uh, permission to manufacture uh, hand sanitizers. So. What I did was that was that was a very brilliant move that I did, and I got the permission, I got the license approved to manufacture the uh, you know hand sanitizers. I knew how to make hand sanitizers; it was not a rocket science. So I, with that permission, I opened my factory, and I ensured that with and I and I brought a scheme saying that every order and that's and you know you remember the initial phase of the pandemic, there was a scarcity for hand sanitizers. So I I told customers that with every order, we'll give you hundred ml of free sanitizer. Right, so people simply placed order at her and her. Oh wow! They wanted hand sanitizer. <laughs> right, amazing. So okay. that was a small strategy that we used to, you know, keep the business going and not really dictate and shut it or close it down or anything. And we opened it and we were running throughout the pandemic. Twenty twenty one came. Uh, we started steadily seeing, you know, growth in our, uh, you know, in our revenues. From there on, there was no looking back. And suddenly there was uh, this. 
big fund from so, India which reached out to us. They're one of the top three funds in India, right? Uh, like, VC uh, funds. Consumer brand um, focused. Like a, yes, consumer brand focused funds. And it's like extremely prestigious to be associated with them, right? Um, they reached out to me and they were like, uh, Harini, we want to evaluate your brand. We've been seeing the growth journey. It's tremendous. Um, yeah, can we, you know, engage? I honestly, you were at that point still just sending through Shopify. You were not present on yes. Amazon or Micah. Amazon, Amazon, we started. We started okay. Amazon by then. Micah, okay. we didn't start. Amazon, okay. we had started by then. Okay. Uh, small presence, but Amazon mm. had started. And um, what kind of sales? Like from 35 lakhs, where did it go? By 21? By the time this fund approached uh, you? Uh, we were doing about uh, one crore a month. Wow. Amazing. In 2021. Mm. Mm. So, um, and then what happened was this fund approached me and they were like, you know, can we engage? And honestly speaking, actually, I didn't even know what VC funding meant. Yeah. I mean, then I told my dad, Daddy, these guys have approached me. I don't know what they want. Yeah. So my dad was like, you know, he again, he's a very traditional guy. He was like, Uncle, we don't need outside fund and all. If you want yeah. money, I'll take yeah. loan from the bank. Yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. want right. any outside. He's a banker, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah. you know, he, so my, my dad was like, immediately he shoot me and he's saying, no, 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 we don't want any money and all. We, you know, we're, we're, we got a bootstrap company and we were 100% profitable. So he was like, we don't need money, Harini. Why do you want money? We don't need money. So, and then they were really pushing us. They, they wanted to somehow reach out to us and they were constantly they were like, every time I went and I spoke to them, I felt like such a big duffer sitting in front of them. Because in the company, my dad was taking care of the business side. Like he was taking care of the sales, logistics operations. I was taking care of the product procurement, purchases, design, marketing was done by me. So, but still, I was the face of the brand. So this particular VC fund always wanted to interact with me. Obviously, they like younger people and they wanted to interact with me. And when they used to ask me, Harini, what are your gross margins? What is your CM1? What is your CM2? What is your net profit? What is your GMV? What is your RVG? It used to be I still remember sitting on that call. I still remember and WhatsApping my dad and asking, what is GMV? <laughs> you know, I'm literally I'm being honest. And that's how I, you know, I've, I've been to Brown. I, you know, my dad used to tell me that Harini, and that was the time, you know, after all these conversations, after feeling a little stupid sitting in those conversations and not understanding anything, I went back to my dad and said, you know what, we begin your crash course on the PNL. On the PNL. I don't understand of I don't understand anything in the PNL. And if somebody asks me something, I'm standing there blinking, saying that I'm check and tell you, which I don't want to do anymore. So my dad sat down and he told me how PNL works, uh, you know, how everything is calculated. And, you know, even he didn't know what CM1, CM2 and all was, but he basically was maintaining a rough PNL month on month, right? Where expenses were calculated and, you know, everything was, you know, the revenues were calculated. Um, but these guys were like very pushy. And finally, they ended up giving us a term sheet uh, because we were not, the more you were investing, you know how VC funds are, the more they are pushy, getting the term from the earth. And uh, the township came in and it was a 2 million round and it was a seed round funding. And, uh, and 2 million is amazing for a seed round. Yeah, yeah. For a seed yeah, round. Yeah, what, what did they value you at? Like 8, 10 million times. The, the valuation was uh, 30, uh, pre-money was 30 crores. Okay. Hmm. No, 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 sorry. Uh, yeah, 30 crores, 30 crores, correct. How much is that in millions? Uh, five, five, six million, uh, something like that. Hmm. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, it was a pre-money 30 crore, post-money hmm. was um, 38 or something like that, right? It was around the 8-12 crores around that. Um, and then 
what happened was we 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 started the process. They issued the term sheet, and while I was sitting on the entire uh, process of you know this evaluation stage, their internal due diligence that they go before they issue the term sheet. I was very open and transparent in telling them that the company currently has just me and my dad in terms of running the company, and the rest of them are all you know workforce, you know who does odds and ends, and it's still largely run by only by both of us. Um, we don't have processes, computerized processes in place. Everything is still very kapakka because we're still in the stage where we're trying to evolve, and you know it's an very blatantly put it out. And these guys appointed PwC to the board. <laughs> Okay, and PwC came with a picture. The first thing he came and he asked, "Harini, where's your bomb?" I was like, "What is a bomb? I already know bomb. B O M B. What is a bomb? Then like bill of material." Then I was like, "Okay, what is a bill of material? Like, don't you have accounts as to what you manufacture and how you keep track of all the inventory and all of that?" I said, "Yeah, we don't manage. We maintain all inventory. We track everything. So where is it?" I took a ledger and I showed him this book has everything. What do you want to see? Tell me. Book. Yeah. You write everything in book, but yeah. yes. Yeah. So you you don't have an ERP, like no ERP. We don't have an ERP at this point of time. So I ha- we spent six months trying to prove to PwC that you know that we are doing a business in an ethical way. You know how due diligences are, right? Um, there are no leakages, and the entire accounting at that point of time. So it was. Such a disaster. To be very honest, every day those six months were you know the most treacherous time that I have gone through in my entire career of being an entrepreneur. I think that's the only experience that I did not enjoy. Um, every night I used to sit like up till two a.m., one a.m. on calls with PwC with this VC fund along with them on a joint call, trying to figure out why this is not happening with that, why this is happening with that. All of these calls and. And we, you know, around the end of the fifth or sixth month, my dad one day it was around two thirty in the night when I finished the call. My dad came and told me, "Harini, do you really think you need this money? And what is hurting me is you are trying to prove yourself to them, and you already proved yourself so much with your friend. What are you trying to prove to them? And you don't need this money. They are profitable again and again and telling you you don't need this money. I think you should take a call on us. So that night I still remember I slept with a very heavy heart because even I was giving up slowly." It's not happening. It's it's just not working anymore. And I was also feeling a little demotivated that you know I'm not able to. You know when people constantly keep on questioning you after questioning you, it becomes like you know how much can you prove yourself after a point, right? Yeah, you so start to doubt I yourself. I also started to. Mm. Yeah, and I started to you know I I was in this in this frame of mind feel like I don't want this money anymore. So the next day morning I had wrote to them saying that I want to get on a call. And the minute I sent them in, they also realized what was coming from my side. So they also prepared themselves and they came to the call and it was a mutual decision that we decided on the call. And they also said, "Harini, I think we really need to spend time. You built a great business. You you built uh, you have good revenues. You're profitable, but we are not able to take that call today. Um, whether you will be able to build the other processes uh, with the you know with, with the pattern that you have right now, and we are not able to take that call today." And I think maybe we want to wait for six months and reevaluate this after six months. And maybe in that six months, you should you should begin a list of things. This 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 six thing you should do. I I had I was not even listening to what he said, but I was feeling extremely demotivated, dejected, sad at that point. Of, and the rejection, the feeling of rejection was there. After this entire episode happened, after like one week, so I got back to normal routine. My dad was like, "Chalo, chhod do. Chhay, maine you wasted your time. Let's get back to work now." So we started getting back to work. After one week, you know, Ashwin from the Sunnycat Fund reached out to me, and he was like, "Harini, I want to meet you." Mm. I was like, "Why?" 
छोड़ दो पैसा चाहिए नहीं but i will do the entire round 1.2 million nobody else will come and i'm not going to do any diligence no due diligence let's start tomorrow let's start that's a little reassuring somebody is actually showing trust in you and i was like i took some time so there were a lot of discussions happening between me and my dad as to this is this what we want to do because once we bring them in it's like a one way traffic there's no looking back it's only going forward so uh, so it was really contemplating the thing through and then finally But you know, we somewhere we had to take that risk, and business is all about taking calculated risks. Somewhere you need to take that risk to move forward. I was like, "Hello, Karlesh, you know, if I'm going to get this money, uh, the things which this VC fund told me that I did not have, I want to implement all of that. Let let me just move forward." So, but we 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 raised 1.2 million uh, USD from Aniket. Uh, this was around 2021 uh, June July was the time when we closed this round. and uh, i think from there on i think today um 2022 this year may we we we, we closed our series a funding with vika and anikit participating together and we raised 8 billion usd um the company was valued at 200 crores um from doing 1 crore uh, at that point of time in 2021 to doing 5 7 crores a month today we've grown in size and scale in terms of you know how we've You know, you know, tripled and doubled. And this traditionally, the sometime back you were talking about five x, right? Traditionally, we have grown five x year on year, right? Eighteen nineteen, we did one point six crore. Eighteen uh, twenty, uh, we did one point six was our revenue. Twenty twenty one, we closed at a six point seven uh, crores. Twenty one twenty two, we closed at a thirty eight crore, which was five x, five x, five x year on year. We were actually, you know, growing at five x. So how, which, how did you which, uh, do this? Uh, like you know, the the thirty five crore top line, uh, you must have uh, had to use additional tactics and uh, approaches to grow because at a small base, uh, growing five x is easier. But now you're at a big base. So how did you do that? Like, was it still purely organic, or uh, did you also? No, no, no. The our first round of marketing spend started, uh, I think, uh, in twenty twenty when I moved to Shopify, right? Um, when I moved to Shopify, that time, you know, uh, a couple of my friends told me, you know, they gave me some advices, and they said, "Why don't you keep a marketing agency? You need to run ads. You need to, you know." And actually, I, I onboarded an agency to help us with Amazon. To be very honest, because Amazon is a very complex ecosystem. It is algorithm based and so many other things, and it's a complex ecosystem. And I wanted someone with the technical ability to help me in Amazon. And when I brought that agency in, that agency helped me to, you know, I still remember my dad and me fighting, saying that to spend one lakh rupees. Uh, for marketing spend, my dad was like, "One lakh? What yeah. to spend for marketing? Are yeah. you crazy?" <laughs> yeah, right. Now what is spending is like you know, I mean, all these are memories that we had. You know, we yeah. had these yeah. conversations where do we spend? My dad was inspired by agency saying, "If I do one lakh spend, will you hmm. give me four x? Will you give me five x? Likhte de do ki four x. Likhte de ki four x nahi nahi. So all these things we've gone through and we started spending. We spent one lakh and and then we we found out that you know uh, even if we didn't make revenue, we were actually 
placing, you know, getting users to the website, right? Um, and then month number two, we, we said we decided, okay, let's spend 1.5, 2, 5, 10. Day day, you know, we started, you know, increasing our marketing spend and our revenue also was growing, you know, coordinating to it, right? So, and hence we had the conviction that, you know, we are in the right direction. And interestingly for Earth Ring, um, you know, like, you know, very different than many other, you know, D2C brands that exist, even till today, maximum amount of revenue comes from our own D2C website, not from e-commerce marketplaces, like say Amazon, Nike, Mintra, No, Flipkart, they're all there, but they're all, you know, about 60% of the revenue comes from our own website, which means we have built along this journey, right? The biggest advantage that we have had is we've built the brand stronger. Like, you know, why do people go to Amazon? If I find a consumer, uh, I would prefer, I would feel safe buying a product from Amazon if I don't know the brand. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know if I don't like it, the it returns does. policy is easier on Amazon, right? Whereas if I directly buy from the brand, I email then I will forget. All these issues are there. So, hey, building the brand strong from day one is extremely important. And a lot of many new brands that I see today make this very, very classic mistake. They chase after revenues in the early stage itself. So what happens is e-commerce, when you try to build, obviously Amazon and all these marketplaces will be able to give you faster revenue because you're spending more time and energy over there. Ultimately, you don't get the customer database. You don't have access to customers. So you can never retarget or you don't even know who these customers are who are buying your product. Number two, uh, you are not building your brand. You are actually, people remember, some, they bought something from Amazon. Rarely they would remember the brand at all. So hence, building, you know, from biggest advantage for me, you call it as, you know, an advantage or you call it, that's how it organically happened for me. But, you know, people who have traveled and seen how Earthrhythm existed, how Soapworks India transitioned into Earthrhythm. And on this, you know, we've built that, that journey where consumers actually spoke word of mouth. It was more... To be very honest, Akshay, today I go to all these huge Thai global events either there and I talk about, um, they gave me a topic recently at the Thai event and they told me, can you please speak about minimum viable plan, right? I went to Google before the event and I took notes <laughs> to speak about minimum viable plans. <laughs> and I went there and I told them the truth. I spoke <laughs> about minimum viable plan to the audience, but I told the audience, honestly, I have to also tell you by the end of this session, that I did a Google search to talk about this today for you guys. And when I started the business, all what is mentioned in Minimal Viable Plan happened organically, right? There was a phase where I tested the product. There was a phase where I built a prototype. There was a phase where I sampled it. There was a phase where I found the product market phase, where I brought the product into the market. All these things I did. But just that I didn't know this was only called MVP, right? There are fancy terms that are there in the startup ecosystem which you organically do which you don't even realize, but you know that this is the process and this is how you build a brand, right? Um, and, you know, all, you know, these are some of the things I think which are very, very um, things that I think I have overcome in this journey, right? I still remember a lot of VC funds who came and asked me, are you from the IITs, IIMs? No, I'm from a simple Madras university. Obviously, you know, investors look for a certain pedigree um, to, you know, probably invest their money. And I'm not saying it's wrong. First, there are, there are some, some businesses like Earth Management, which was built on passion, which was built on, um, a, a, you know, a, a, a model, which was, you know, probably built very organically and the traction was built organically, right? Um, 
I, I think they've done all this in a very short span of time, right? I think from 2019 to 2022, um, from doing 10 lakhs to 20 lakhs a month in 2019 to doing, you say, you know, like I said, five, seven floors a month today. I told you, then we've, 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 gone, we've come a long way. We've, we've made a lot of mistakes. I'm not saying that, you know, we've gone through a lot of things. Uh, uh, recently, I still remember like a month ago, uh, we installed, uh, we spent like, Three four CR and we 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 bought a fully automatic machinery in the factory where you know there is no human touch right from the stage you start the production till the end process the product is passed sealed and comes out there is no human touch so we bought a machine like that where is and your factory now when that machine it's in Udyog Vihar okay hmm. how big is your factory twenty thousand square twenty wow. thousand square feet amazing okay eight hundred square feet. Mm. And what, what what is the production capacity? Like, how many SKUs per day do you manufacture those? So, uh, production capacity today, uh, we can manufacture about 3,000 kgs per day. That's the capacity that we have. Um, it can be any product, but 3,000 kgs at one go is the capacity that we have. Um, and, to, and when the machine actually kickstarted, right? Last week is, was the time when everything was set up and the machine started. We, we did a huge puja and we got the machine kickstarted. And I was in tears because we come from this place where we were actually, you know, these lassi wala hand blenders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, seemed an automatic machinery, yeah, yeah. you know, kickstart. You know, it's a journey of its own, right? Uh, and uh, we, you, you just, couldn't have some there. I mean, there are people who can actually get funding and simply start it, boom, like that. But for me, even today, my my machinery uh, guy who is the electrical guy who's sitting there, I mean, if it's a problem, I go there. I go there. I tell Because as a founder, I have done all of these things. Like I told you, I have done photography, I have done digital marketing, I have done brand marketing, I have done, I have done the supply chain purchases. And so, you know, when I was teaching my purchase manager how to talk to Chinese, because we buy a lot of our packaging material from China, Korea, Taiwan, I used to teach him how to, you know, how what kind of English do you speak to them? So, you know, they, they understand English in a very different way. You can't speak to them with complicated words like, you know, uh, um, you know, can you reiterate this? You need to speak to them in a language because there is a language barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you repeat this? Or can you, can you, you know, all, all these small, small changes. I used to teach my team. How do you talk to Chinese? How do you, how do you, you know, make it easier to, you know, speak to them? These are things that I've learned in the journey. These are things that happened like on a suddenly, you know, I, somebody taught me and I did it. I did it and I understood. I made mistakes. Come there slowly. Lost some money also, you know, doing some expensive mistakes. Tried to build a mobile app. It didn't work. I, I, spent, I, I wasted some money there. Tried mobile to, app for an like, AI tool. Like for uh, e-commerce, like. So people can order yes, from. Yes. Okay. Yes. And why didn't it work? But like still, it is, use case is not. It is. It is getting lost. But just that you know, made mistakes in the sense that you know, um, we went to the wrong place at the wrong time. Spent, you know, spending money on wrong things is also a big problem, right? You should know how to time your, you know, your growth. Um, I wanted to build a mobile app when we were still small, which is a wrong thing. I was spending money in the wrong place when I put I set money somewhere. Right? But these are mistakes that I did in, 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 you know, during the journey and figured out maybe I invested that money in the wrong place. Uh, I could have used Nutlias that money to buy something else for the company rather than I spent money in building mobile app. Um, the ROI that, that, that the app could bring could be much, much lower 
then what if I just like doing something else, it could have been better. So these are, you know, you know, you you'll never learn things, you know, uh, unless you make mistakes. And I think Perni has, you know, covered a lot of things. If you have specifics, yeah, yeah, I have a few specific questions. So, uh, which, uh, what is working for you in terms of generating demand, like Instagram or influencer marketing or Google AdWords or you know, what's what are the most effective channels for you? I think uh, today influencer marketing is very, very powerful um, because, you know, there are two sides to this, right? One is, um, you know, let's look at social media as a, as a channel and then let's look at, uh, you know, these allied channels like say Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads as a channel, right? Now, these social media is so powerful these days. Nobody wants to see a celebrity endorsing that my skin is Nobody wants to see it, right? Because... People believe because gone are the days when Shah Rukh Khan stood with the Lux soap and said, "This is the soap that I like," and all the all the women wanted to go and buy that Lux soap. Right today, people are driven by U, uh, UCG, user generated. Sorry, UGC. I'm so sorry, user generated content. Right, people want to see faith like girl made store using the product the way you would use the product. And they want to see it that way, right? And even today, I have this challenge with my brand team and I tell them that when I used to make a post back in the day, sitting at home, using my mobile phone, I used to get so much high engagement than your studio shot photos that you put today. Why? My answer is, well, people like realistic stories, authentic. They like to see things raw. They like to see things as it is. They don't want all these jars and all that. And they know somewhere, you know, it's getting fake in the process, right? Um, I think that's, that, that is where social media is cracking the game. Uh, being real, right? So, so you, uh, you work with like, uh, like regular people. You, you don't work with like celebrity influencers, uh, now, we have, now today, because we've grown to a size and scale, uh, we have a combination of everything, right? But for, I think, for a brand's journey, it has to be, if, if, if a new brand is coming in and they want to leverage on getting some brand recall or getting consumers to start, you know, seeing the brand um, or getting more eyeballs to the brand, I think the best and effective way is to start from barter influencers. Where there are a lot of influencers who are, you know, you know, back in the day, if you know, there are these market research agencies which used to have these mystery shoppers. Have you heard of them? Where they used to give money to mystery shoppers, go to the shop, use the product and give feedback. Today, these kind of strategies don't exist. Mystery shopping doesn't exist. Instead, we have barter influencers, right? Who are willing to get the product from you and make a content for you out of it. It can be a how to use can be a before after content. It can be any content. It can be, uh, you know, an informative content when they're talking about the product. It can be anything, right, about the product. And for the for the influencer, she has access to the product. For the brand, we have access to the content. So it's a, it's a win-win situation. So you start with a butter influencer and then you go to a micro-influencer. You should start with probably you go to a nano-influencer, micro-influencer, and then you go to mid-sized A-list influencers and then celebrity influencers. And there's a budget for everything, right? Um, that's how influencer, influencer marketing works. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the what is the is, segregation? Like nano-influencer is what follower count? Um, say about anything, let's say, you know, um, thousand would be nano. Okay. Thousand to five thousand would be micro. Okay. Uh, anything above five thousand to, you know, five thousand to say hundred thousand would mm. be, you know, A-list influencers, depending okay. on the engagement rate sure. and everything. Anything about 100,000 and going in millions around the world to celebrity. Okay, got it. 
So, that's so it. That's, that's I saw that you have like 175,000 followers on the Earth Rhythm page. Uh, how, how did you build mm-hmm. that? That I think uh, is a function of, you know, being the, just being the face of the brand. As okay. a founder, being the face of the brand, that worked very well for me in the initial days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even today, I feel like a celebrity sometimes when yeah, I go yeah, out, people yeah, actually recognize me. Not everywhere, yeah, not to the extent of, you know, celebrities, yeah, but I, nice, I've nice. been in that situation where people have recognized me when I go out, right? Um, I feel very, you know, imagine the power that we have created, right? People are able to get me somewhere on social media and they're able to relate that she's from this brand. Uh, and that is extremely interesting and that's how you build a brand so people need people need points to connect with the brand yes they need to connect with the brand it's not just the product or you know visuals that they see but they need to one example I'll tell you another one so there was a time um, when we were in the journey right somewhere around 2020 I think so when you know I used to because we, uh, we could not really invest on a lot of resources in terms of paying salaries my son goes to a special school and uh, over there, one of his school principal once asked me that since you run a small company, Harini, we have adults with autism and Down syndrome who are like 25, 30 plus. Um, who are, we have trained them to become very, you know, quite efficient in doing simple tasks. If there is something that you can do, I mean, why don't you just reconsider this? So I thought over and I got the, you know, I used to pay them a small stipend of 1,000, 2,000 rupees. And they used to come like two, three hours a day and they used to stick labels in my uh, unit. Like four or five adults used to come and these were, you know, people with spectrum, people with, you know, uh, Down syndrome and, you know, various other um, fashion abilities that, that, that exist. And they used to come down and they used to stick labels. And one such customer who bought a product for worth 500 or 600 wrote a stinker email to us saying that I've paid 500 rupees for this product. And look at the way this label is stuck. It was little tail down, like, you know, it was not stuck. Aesthetically, slightly up, you know, a little bit up and down. She sent a photo and she said, I want a full refund of this product. So I I told my dad, I have a plan for this. Let's, 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 you know, 10 customers. Why this happened, right? We, everybody, everybody should know it if somebody's having a concern. So what we did was, first I told my dad, give her a refund. Just don't, no question that she's not happy. Just give her a refund. Then what I did I took a video, a small clipping of my team that sits there and spends time to stick those labels. We don't have machineries. These are all hand-pasted labels. So I took a small video and I made a video on Instagram saying that maybe, you know, you, you did not find the value, you know, in, in that, in that 500 days of peace and you felt that, you know, it was not basically done. But the effort that went into sticking that label by that individual, was way more valuable than the 500 rupees. And this was what I actually did and I posted it. You won't believe it went viral. It went viral. People started sharing it, sharing it, sharing it, sharing it. That lady who wrote that mail reached out to me on LinkedIn and she was so emotional. She was like, I want your phone number, Harini. I want your phone number. I gave her my phone number. She called me and she said, I'm sorry. I said, please don't apologize. You as a consumer have the right to demand for you know what you have paid. Whereas it is my duty also to tell you what are I doing, you know, in terms of, you know, keeping that balance between the both of us? So, and, you know, things like these, right? I think, uh, you know, it's important while you're building your brand uh, to show the realism, the real facts to consumers. Sometimes people who sit and order on the laptop only see the screen. They don't know what's behind the screen, what goes on behind it, what, what effort has gone in. 
Nobody knows all of that unless we are open about this. And that's why social media is a huge game changer, right? You can reach out to millions. You know, social media today can make or break brands. If they want to, the amount of, you know, netizens who can actually pull you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make a brand also. So um, I think that way we leverage really well on social media, you know, it comes. And and the other side was, I think, uh, way initial days, I think uh, Facebook really helped us. Uh, in terms of scaling revenues, Facebook was a very good channel because in the initial days, 2020, 2021, Facebook was not so expensive. Data C was still, it was in the boom, but it was not saturated at that point of time. But today, if you ask me, no, Facebook is just not profitable because the number of brands that exist, the competition that is there, um, it's still expensive. Facebook ads have become way more expensive today. So we need to find ways to get out of that cycle of being dependent on Facebook ads and Google ads and find newer channels to bring revenues. And that's when we also decided to go omni-channel, right? Um, we thought, okay, let's also try to create a small offline presence. Let's let's probably put up a kiosk and see if we are able to generate revenue through kiosk. Today, we've set up 15 kiosks span India. These are like inside uh, multi-brand uh, cosmetic stores. Malls. Inside malls? No, no, inside malls. Okay, okay. So then I have these standalone kiosks mm-hmm. which you can put up. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we took our small space and, you know, we put that kiosk in all, well, about 14 to 15 kiosks we have fan India today. Mm-hmm. So, we like, to try to reinvent. You employ the people who are manning these kiosks. They're like completely company-managed. Own, company-owned, managed. And this is also, there's one more reason to it. Um. We are first-generation entrepreneurs, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We don't come with an experience of, of business mm-hmm. or come from a business family also who thinks like mm-hmm. business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are typical service class employees who suddenly randomly jump into the business class and mm-hmm. try to figure out how things work. I still, remember, I still remember my dad telling me, Harini, business is not for us. It is not in our blood. This is what he told me. It is not in our blood. So, you know, all these dialogues I heard from my dad. And today he's the one who is like so obsessed with it. With that, so that's more than me. works like 12 hours a day. Um, well, and you know, we've, so we've learned all of that. We've, mm. You know, we, we, so because we are first generation entrepreneurs, we did not want to go offline um, because there's a lot of credit involved in the offline market, a lot of credit involved. Um, and, you know, businesses like, you know, we're still a growth stage brand. And for us, the credit cycles has to be really short and we can't afford to have 60 day, 90 day credit cycle. And then, you know, there's a lot of, if you don't have the, the ecosystem to manage your offline network, like say an area sales manager, national sales manager, and all of that network is not there. Who is going to go and do the connection? Am I going to go to each city and tell it? No, right? So it's impossible. So hence the first step for us was if we want to go offline, let's figure out the way where we are managing it. We know the inventory. We know that there is no credit involved, but still we are offline, but still we are closer to the customers. So we set up kiosks on our own. We, we, it was a part of our business plan while we were raising our series A around of funding. Um, we put up kiosks and we wanted to ensure that we were, you know, uh, going offline, at least taking baby steps, if not, you know, going very, you know, forcefully as, you know, in the offline market, but just get that presence, get that feel, understand what is the, Integrities. What are the plus minus that are there? You know, being in the offline space. The uh, offline presence also acts like a brand building exercise because people see your them, they Absolutely. get to try out the yes. product. There's more discovery happening. Yes, it's probably yes. See, it's, it's than a good Facebook. brand recall. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah, right. Right. Amazing. Okay. And uh, so today you're uh, listed across all e-commerce platforms and 
uh, your own uh, yeah. website. Like largely the sales is through your own website. What percentage is your own website? 60%. Wow. Amazing. Okay. And what yeah. do you expect your turnover for this year? So, don't exchange the finance magic this year. <laughs> I know, the mess is much bigger. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, the mess is much bigger. Mm-hmm. So, we, um, we've been looking for actually 100 crore mark this year. Wow. Uh, we're in backtrack, but we're at least hopeful that we'll be able to, you know, at least do a 80 to 90 CR this year is where we're targeting. Amazing, amazing. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.